0: in the middle of a pandemic, man, I started having tears come down my face, and I looked over at my wife, and we were literally laying, or we were sitting up on the bed, and our daughter was in between us. And I look over at my wife Terry, and she's got tears, and our 12-year-old had some tears, and I'm like, "Wow!" So you've blessed. When I came, when I came this uh, this evening about an hour and a half ago, uh, I just got to tell you that uh, again. When I got out of my car, parked, I love, I love servant leadership. I love the fact that staff and leaders park the furthest away. That's been a philosophy of mine for 25 years, that it's not about me. It's not about the further you go in leadership, the more rights you give up. It's called servant leadership. It's what Jesus taught us. And so as I parked across the, across the way there and, and as I started to walk in, I saw the The video screen going up and the food trucks and some games being put up. And I got to tell you again, man, it just touched my heart. Because here's the fact, and then I'll get on with some of the actual sermon, all right? (laughs) Every church in America says we love people. Let's be honest, there's just not enough churches that actually do it. This church does it. And when I saw that, woo, man, it just touched me. So I've already received so much more than I will, uh, than I will give you uh, this weekend for sure. Well, I thought it would be fun. I can just give you, uh, since I can't hear all of your stories, I can share with you a picture of my family and tell a little bit uh, about our family. That is us, uh, the old guy in the middle. That's me. This was from a year ago. The beautiful gal on my right is my wife, Terry. We will have been married coming up December 28th, 31 years. And, yeah, and I always hesitate to say that because I know what's going through your mind. Like, 31 years, they got married in junior high, and we did. Our parents weren't, weren't for, but we've made it, and so we've done all right. But uh, Terry is amazing, amazing. Oh, I could go on and on. Uh, she's a gifted leader. She has passion galore, she has talent. Uh, basically, our marriage is. Terry runs fast and hard, and John just tries to keep up with her. (laughs) She's always reading something new. She's always learning something new. She's always giving me an idea of something I've never heard of. And I'm like, oh, tell me about it. Oh, yeah, I've been reading, and boom, boom, boom. And and, uh, she is amazing, amazing, amazing. Love her. So thankful that God brought our lives together. On the very far left of the picture, that is our daughter-in-law, Alexis, The taller gentleman is our son, Nate. He and Alexis got married last August. They both are in the full-time United States Army. Alexis, yeah. (laughs) Alexis is a medic, and Nate is in communications. Uh, I am so proud of my son. (laughs) So proud of him. When he graduated from high school, he's my height, and he barely weighed enough to get in the army. I think he might have been 145 pounds. That dude has put on 70 pounds of muscle. (laughs) He goes to the gym at least an hour every day. He takes protein and pre-workout and post-workout and uh, he he set a goal of being one of the strongest guys in his unit and now he goes, yeah dad, whenever they need something heavy lifted, they're like, hey Nate, can you carry this? and he goes, when I graduated from high school, I was skinny as a rail. And no one can believe it, but he set a, he set a goal. Uh, he loves tattoos. He loves Harleys. He loves drones. So this is a picture using his drone. Uh, he goes on his Harley. Uh, he's already on his second one, his first Harley he gave to his wife. She said, "If when you pay your first bike off, I'll take it, and you can buy your second one. So the dude's in debt again for a second Harley. <laughs> But they love taking their Harleys out and he's got some tracking system with his phone to his drone and his drone follows behind him and does nature shots and he puts them on Instagram. And someday he's going to make a bunch of money off those, I'm I'm sure. (laughs) But that's our son Nate and his wife Alexis. They live in Colorado. They're stationed at uh, Fort Carson, just south of Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, Our daughter Brooke is on the far left. She is 12 years old, just started seventh grade. She is amazing. She is as smart of a kid as I've ever met in my life. She notices things. She remembers things. So Terry and I, we joke. She just kind of runs everything and we just, she just kind of takes care of us. And we just, once again, we just try and keep up with her. But she has a unique combination of She is a high personality. If she was here tonight, she'd be walking around, introducing herself, welcoming people. And at the same time, she's very analytical. I'm a math nerd, and she is high off the charts in math and science. So I told her if she goes into engineering like I once did, uh, she'll be running the company. Because you take an engineer that's also got some people skills, and like, world, look out. Like She'll be running that company someday. But right now, she wants to be uh, something in the medical field, a profusionist or a a heart surgeon, so we'll see. But she can really, whatever God lays on her heart, uh, she can accomplish. And uh, the last, uh, maybe, the last free sermon I will give you is as we sang that song. (laughs) Did you catch it for generation after generation? (laughs) I pray that I will live my life in such a way that generation after generation after generation will be blessed. The greatest sermon I will ever preach is my family. Men, can I just speak into you for a second? (laughs) Men, whatever you do for career and job and work, the greatest project that you'll ever take on is your family, the greatest company you'll ever own is your family, the greatest sermon I'll ever preach is my family. The greatest department that you'll ever manage is your family. So I pray that I live a life in such a way that future generations, my grandkids, great-grandkids, if God ever blesses in that way, will be blessed. You know, as a little kid, I had a speech problem. My F's were pronounced as T's, and my R's were W's, so rubber became wubba. (laughs) Football was tootball. Funny was Tunny. One time we rolled into the Jolly Giant restaurant in North Dakota and my mom sent me in to order food. And I tried ordering two Tishboogas and two twice. Three different employees looked over that counter, twisted their head, they had no idea what I was trying to order, and they asked me, are you here with someone? And I nodded my head and they said, will you please go get that person so that they can order. What started off as one of the funnest, biggest days of my life became one of the most painful. I can picture it very clearly as I speak to you, each and every one of you right now, I can picture myself walking out of that restaurant with my head hanging down, slumping into the car, my mom asking me what was wrong, and I handed her the money, and I said, they couldn't understand what I wanted to order. Of course, my mom is a high encourager She was like, well, let's go in together, and and hey, let's get chocolate shakes to go with those fish burgers and french fries. And I said, I'll never go back in that restaurant. And so my mom walked back in, and as I sat in that car, I made a decision that I don't like people, because people will always hurt you. And I made a decision that I was never going to be a public speaker. I was never going to speak in front of people. Because I'd just have a bunch of these eyes looking at me and I would totally freeze up and I'd look embarrassed and foolish. I went to speech class in first and second grade and every day at the appointed time back in those days there wasn't maybe the discreetness that we now offer our children which I'm so grateful for because I was one of those kids at the appointed time each and every day John, Vonda, it's time to go to speech class and our teacher would yell it out in front of the whole class and Vonda Hagen and I used to stand up and we would walk and kids would watch and they'd snicker and they'd whisper. and I'd be out on the playground playing and they'd be like, oh, that's that kid that can't talk. And no one can understand him. Oh, I was so embarrassed. It made me so angry. My dad died unexpectedly when I was 20 months old. We were actually living about 180 miles southwest of here in Danville, Illinois. My dad was a pastor. On a Wednesday, he was healthy, and by late Saturday night, he was in a coma, and he died early Sunday morning. He had a form of meningitis. They thought he had the flu, and by the time they realized, it attacked to his heart, and there was nothing they could do to save him. And so my mom, who grew up in North Dakota in Williston, which is way up in the, in the oil patch, about 30 miles from Montana and maybe 70 miles from Canada, my mom moved my sister and I back to Williston. And so as a kid, I was teased about my speech, and because of our lack of what I associated with our lack of money, I was teased about my clothes. Back in my day, when you wore short jeans, people would say... Oh, are you expecting a flood? Now you pay more money for short jeans. (laughs) I got teased when my jeans had holes and patches, and once again, now you pay more money for that. I got teased about the house that I lived in. I got teased about my bike being too small. I associated a lot of my pain as a kid with our lack of money. So, my dream job was to own a ranch. I was all cowboy. I'd wear cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. My dream job was to own a ranch and not ever let a person on that ranch. I just thought it was me and the ranch and I could make a living. I never had to interact with people. I hated coloring, and my favorite color was black. When I received a, a sheet or a coloring page, I would take out the black crayon, and I would just color the whole page full of black. (laughs) And I would hand it back to the teacher. Needless to say, none of my artwork ever made it up on my mom's fridge. (laughs) But I share that with you to simply say, I know. I know what it feels like to be an outsider. I know what it feels like. Like you're in this, you're kind of watching life go by and there's like this glass wall and you so much want to bust through because it looks like people are having fun in there but you have no idea how to ever get in on that fun everyone else is on the inside crowd and you feel like you're just off here all on your own what changed my whole life when i clearly understood that jesus died for me well i would expect a pastor to say that well i'm sorry that's what happened when I clearly realized that Jesus died for me and that he made a pathway for me to be connected with my creator and to be a part of God's forever family. You know what? That's my prayer. My prayer is that everyone in Goshen and Elkhart and South Bend and Mishawaka and wherever you're watching online and whatever community you live in, my prayer is that everybody... Everybody connects with Jesus Christ and with the church family. If I could could just travel to every city in America from the depths of my heart, invite people to connect with Jesus Christ and with the church family, I would would be honored to do that. So at the end of this message, just want to give you a heads up. I'm going to give you an opportunity if you want to connect your life to Jesus, to Receive him as the savior and the leader of your life to make that decision to be a part of God's forever family. I'm sure perhaps you've already noticed I'm not a salesman. I'm not going to yell or demand you to do anything. I'm a guy on a journey who's willing to invite you to journey along with him. I'm I'm not a professional pastor. I'm not a professional speaker. (laughs) I'm a guy who loves God and loves people. And I know the difference that Jesus has made in my life. (laughs) You'll hear about it throughout this weekend, but I can only imagine. I had a lot of odds, quite frankly, stacked against me as a kid growing up. Single mom, wrong side of the tracks. (laughs) Kid with a speech problem that always felt like he was on the outside looking in. Said probably 10 words all the way through school. But Jesus changed my life. He's given me hope. He's given me freedom. He's given me joy. He's taught me the importance of being part of a forever family. I just want to share that with you. I want to give you an opportunity to act on that incredible truth, to make a decision. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm forever grateful for the pastor that compellingly and clearly made that challenge to me. And I realized that the ball was in my court. God's not going to huff and puff and blow your door down. I see God as more of a gentle, hey, it's up to you. I'm not going to force myself on you, but I died for you. I did everything that I could to invite you to a to a life of hope and faith in me. But you've got to make the decision, right? You can't make the decision for me. You can't make the decision based on your mom or dad, your son or your daughter or your girlfriend or your boyfriend you've got to make that decision I have to make that decision and that decision that I made and continue to make has made all the difference and it continues it made a huge difference in my life this past week so in the four books that start the New Testament of the Bible Matthew Mark Luke and John we need to we read a number of times that Jesus was hanging out with outsiders and religious folks and the 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 non-religious folks. But the religious people, the Pharisees, they're ticked. And One of those examples is in Luke chapter 5 and the message translation says, Levi gives a large dinner at his home for Jesus. Everybody was there, tax men and other disreputable characters were guests at this dinner. And the Pharisees and the religious scholars came to his disciples and they were so offended. What in the world is he doing eating and drinking with crooks and sinners. Why don't you read Jesus' response with me? Luke chapter 5, verse 31. Read this out loud if you're at home, out uh, watching the big screen here in the room. Let's read this together. Jesus heard about it and he spoke up. Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders. An invitation to a changed life changed inside and out and I'm so grateful as I said earlier that Crossroads is a church (laughs) Crossroads is a church that's committed to loving and serving and reaching outsiders letting them know that they're loved that Jesus has paved a way for all people whatever your background, whatever your story whether this has been the greatest week of your life or the worst week of your life with Jesus, this truly can be the best weekend ever. We cheer hard for Crossroads Church, because this church targets people. This church is willing to go out of the box and try new things and sacrifice, <laughs> do things that are even uncomfortable in order to let people know that they're loved. And so we cheer from you, for you, from afar. Then later on, we read of a fascinating incident that I want to dive into just a little bit. Luke chapter 15. Once again, Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees again mutter, This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And in response, Jesus tells three stories. You might be familiar. The first story, he talks about a shepherd that has a hundred sheep. And one night, when he brings the sheep in, as he counts them, he gets to ninety-nine. He's like, no, 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 I know I own a hundred, I, I have a hundred sheep. And so he counts again, and he realizes there's one sheep missing. And Jesus said, what shepherd wouldn't leave the 99 to go find the one that is missing? Now, I don't know about you. I, I've heard that not everyone here in, at Crossroads is a fan of geese, apparently, And I'm not sure that I'm a huge fan of sheep. Sheep kind of get a bad rap as being not the smartest of animals. In fact, you can Google it, uh, uh, any of you. You can Google it and there's this fun video I've shown before where, like these sheep, they come running to a cliff and the first one jumps off the cliff and the next one kind of, they just, the whole thing, every, all of them just jump off the cliff like, woo, that sure looks like that hurt, but hey. If Fred did it, I guess I'm going to do the same. Woo! (coughs) So sheep kind of get a bad rap, but here's what has dawned on me is that sheep are highly trusting and committed to community. And so for that one sheep to be separated from the rest of the crowd, lonely and afraid, Jesus said, what shepherd wouldn't go and leave the 99 to go find that one? And so as I've understood sheep, man, that's a powerful story. Jesus says, man, when that, when that sheep is found, what shepherd wouldn't pick this poor guy up and put him on his shoulders and bring him back so he can celebrate for all of eternity with the rest of the family, right? Jesus said, man, when there's one person who's separated from God and returns to our father, man, there's a party that goes off. Of course, he doesn't end with that. Then he talks about a widow that has 10 coins. These coins were worth a day's wages, but a widow in Jesus' day had very, very little possibility of supporting herself. And so for a widow, that could have been worth a week of salary or two weeks, or maybe even a month. And so to have 10 coins that are way more valuable than, a, than, a, than sheep... Jesus said, if one of those coins is lost, wouldn't she just like tear that house apart looking? Well, of course she would. And when she finds that coin, wouldn't she call her neighbors and say, hey, I found it, I found it. A widow that was highly marginalized, afraid, wondering how in the world she was going to make it, would be rejoicing. And Jesus said the same thing. And then, of course, he goes from sheep and he goes to coins. And does anyone know what does he go to next? Two sons. A man who has two sons. Sons that are way more important. Way more important than than sheep or coins. Jesus said that one of those sons, the youngest, comes to dad and says, you know what, man, I'm tired of this family business. I don't want to work. I don't want to work on this farm anymore, but I tell you what, could I get my inheritance? <laughs> Can you imagine how hurtful that would be to a son, to a father, I mean, to, to have the son say, man, I, I don't want to work with you anymore, but I'll sure take the money that I'm going to get someday from you when you die. And so this father, he does. He gives him half of his inheritance, half of the inheritance. And that son, Jesus said the, the son sets off for a distant country and He squanders his wealth on wild living. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. (laughs) Wine, women and song, who knows. But that son squandered his money, he goes to work for a pig farmer and the food that he is giving, he is so hungry that the food that he's giving to those pigs looks good. And he wishes that he could eat it. Now, I I don't know. I don't come from a big farm background. Maybe, do any of you come from farm backgrounds? Have you ever seen the slop that they feed pigs? Any of you ever try eating it? (laughs) Of course, I don't think so. But he was so hungry. Something very powerful happens. He's sitting there. Feeding those pigs. He's broke without friends no one wants to party with him anymore the money's gone but he comes to his senses and he says how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death I will set out and go back to my father and I will say to him father I've sinned against heaven and against you oh I understand I'm no longer worthy to be called your son but would you make me one of your hired servants and so he got up and what did he do He returned. He went back to his father. Now I don't know what your week has been like. I don't know what this pandemic has been like. I don't know what's going on in your life. I I know some about my life. But if you're ever having a bad day, pull out your Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 15, verse 20. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's unbelievable. But while that prodigal son was still a long way off, so the picture I see is that the father never gave up on his son. He continued to look for him. He continued to wait for him. And as he looked down that dusty road, he said, someday I just believe my son is going to come back. And while that son was still a long way off, the father saw him, was filled with compassion. He slowly, I suppose I'll go greet my son. Is that what Jesus said? What did he say? He ran, he ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. Well, we're going to stop at that point. Tomorrow, we're going to look at what the father gives his son. It's, it's incredible, a ring a robe and sandals. And we're going to receive communion tomorrow night. We're going to have a great, great time tomorrow night right here, online, on the big screen, in the room. But there are two things the son did huge he came to his senses and he went back to his father the son had a spiritual awakening he awakened to regret he awakened to his need to be connected to his father he realized that this hunger and thirst for more only led him down a very dark path and so there he is he's broke he's in need he's hungry And while he's dealing with all of his regret, he comes to his senses, and he acknowledged that the decisions that he had made took him to a place where he never thought he would end up. Quote Richard Rohr, he's a Catholic priest, speaker, and author, he says this, you cannot heal what you do not acknowledge, and what you do not consciously acknowledge will remain in control of you from within. (laughs) Isn't that true? I always tell people, you can go from sickness to health, but you cannot go from denial to health. As long as you live in denial, it'll just eat you up from the inside out. Until we acknowledge, it'll remain in control of you from within, festering and destroying you and those around you. For some, that might even describe what's going on in your life right now. Maybe 9-11-2020 is a wake-up call, an invitation from the Lord. Your life has taken you down a difficult path and you realize, man, I ended up in a spot where I never thought I would be. It's not too late. Just like the son, you can come to your senses and you can return to your heavenly father. The son says, I will set out and I'll go back to my father. And spiritually, the word that we use in the church world is called repentance. Repentance means to turn and head in a different direction. In the New Testament, which originally was written in Greek, the word they used for repentance was methanoia. The Old Testament, originally written in Hebrew, that word was teshuvah. Methanoia means to change one's mind and teshuvah means to return. What do you do when you return a package? You take it back to where it was created, where it was purchased. And so repentance simply means to change my thinking and return from where I came, my creator. So tonight I simply want to give you an opportunity and I understand it's a Friday night. I don't know where your life is at, but I want to give you an opportunity to return to your heavenly father. Maybe you've never made your way back to your creator. Maybe you're living a really good life, you got a good job, you got a good family. But if you're honest with yourself, you've never made that decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I I love sharing that a lot of people are two feet away from being in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the 12 inches from their head to their heart. They know about God, but they don't know God. And then they have to take that step. (laughs) So it's these 12 inches, that's one foot, and the second foot is that step. Does that make sense? So I want to give you that opportunity to take that step. So in just a minute, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to stand, and if you want to connect your life to the life of Christ, I'm just going to ask you to I'm just going to ask you to walk forward. We're going to have some pastors here in this room, and I know outside in the, uh, with the big screen, we've got a pastor or two up near the big screen. And uh, if you're outside, you can just make your way. And in just a minute, we're going to stand, and if you want to make your way, Sometimes people are like, well, John, why, why would we, like, I mean, is there a certain prayer that you have to pray? No, it's not about the prayer. Well, like, do I, do I have to, like, walk forward? And here's what I always tell people. Not everyone is going to be a fan of a decision to follow Jesus Christ. You've got to build up some faith muscle. Those of you that are living for Jesus, have, have, you, have you learned that? Like, you've got to build some faith muscle, right? Right? And what an amazing opportunity to build faith muscle around people who love and care about you. And so if you can build up some faith muscle when you first make that decision, in fact, that's what baptism's about, big piece of it, is it's an opportunity to go public, to build some faith muscle. <laughs> so when the, when the winds of, of, of storms come and when, when, when people come against you and say, oh, why, why don't you give up on God? Your life hasn't gotten any better. You've got more problems. Sometimes you do. You've got more problems after you make a decision to live for Christ than you did before. <laughs> but you also have a source of strength. You have a source of hope. There's a whole new ending to your story. So I just want to give you that opportunity. And uh, for me, it's never, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pressure you. It's, it's, it's your choice. So I'm just going to ask you to, to stand right now. And... Uh, just as the band plays, I'm just going to say a quick word of prayer here. And if you'd like to make your way home tonight, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to do that. If you're online, you can do that. You can just respond online. You can respond here in the room and just come forward with the pastors that are here. You can, If you're out watching on the big screen, you can just come forward outdoors. No one's going to embarrass you. No one's going to ask for your social security number or You don't need picture ID. There's just people that really love God and they really love people. Being a part of God's family has changed everything about my life. So God, if there's one, there's one son, there's one daughter here, Lord, that needs to make their way back to you, I, I just pray you'll give them the courage. There's no guilt, there's no not hitting anyone over the head with a Bible. And they certainly don't need to do that for me. But I pray there's something in their heart that says, I, I want to take that step to Jesus. So God, just give them that courage. So if there's anyone that would like to do that, I'll just go ahead and give you an opportunity right now to, to make your way forward outside. You can make your way forward. Here in this room, you can make your way forward. God, God bless you, man. You know, as a young pastor, (laughs) I had a dude that uh, was 10 years sober, and he said, John, I went through treatment five times. He said, the first four times, I always went to treatment because of someone else. One time I went to treatment so that I didn't lose my job. He said, one time I went to treatment so that I didn't go to jail. He said, one time I went to treatment because my wife said she was going to leave me. And I'm looking, his name was Greg. And he goes, you know what, John? It wasn't until I knew something needed to change. That's when I got sober and clean. He said, when I was doing it for someone else, I just knew how to fake my way through it. (laughs) So that's my invitation. Don't take a step towards Christ because you think your mom or your dad or your spouse wants you to, but because it's what God's calling in your heart. And you know your heart's just going right now. That's the Holy Spirit. That's not me. <laughs> I don't have any sort of a remote control. I don't do that. That's the Holy Spirit, right? And you know. You know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. So I'm just going to pause for another 30 seconds. If there's anyone else. that says, I want to make my way back to my Heavenly Father. And I've got one last challenge. You ready? Your senior pastor Tim Fisher and I, we, we, we walked this property today, didn't we? It was so fun, we were just praying, God, would you come? And Tim, you said something in one of your prayers. You said something about God, if there's someone that you're calling to ministry and they're afraid, will you just, will you help them to offer their life to you? I'm kind of paraphrasing what you said. So my challenge is for those of you that are walking with the Lord, but right now you're holding on. God's calling you to something. I'm not saying to be a pastor, but it might be. God's calling you to something and you're holding on. Do you know what the problem when you live your life this way is? You also don't receive all that God has for you. Did you realize that? Like if I was handing you a $100 bill and you tried grabbing it like this, you'd never even make it out to your car with that $100 bill. And so when you live your life like this, the problem is not only are you offering, not offering God all that you have and all that you are, you also don't receive all that he has for you. So before I close out this time, I just want to also say that. Is there anyone that says, you know what, there is something that God's calling, I don't know what it might be. There's something you need to start doing, there's something you need to stop doing, there's something that God's laid on your heart and you've been so afraid to say yes to. I said, God, I will never be a public speaker. <laughs> and I remember the Sunday, I was sitting right over here, and as the dude was preaching, I sensed God say, John, are you willing to do what you see him doing? I'm like, no, I'm not. Tim, it took me over a year. I was so afraid. So I just want to offer that. Is there anyone that would say, there's something you're holding back, and you want to offer it to God tonight? I'm just going to invite you to come forward. I don't know You don't even need to share it with anyone. It's up to you. I just want to see you take a step towards God if there's something you're resisting from him. So those of you that are outside as well, if you want to come come forward here in this room, if you want to come forward and say, God, I want to live my life with open hands. There's something I've been holding on to. I want to give you that opportunity. See, Jesus rejoices every time we say yes to him. Every time he calls us to something, I don't care if it's big or it's small, every time we say yes to him, he rejoices. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else, real quick? And then I'm going I'm to say prayer. Tim's going to say prayer, and the pastors will pray with those who've come forward. I'd love to say a word of prayer. God. We rejoice, we celebrate. We wanna lift our open palms up to you. We wanna offer you all that we have, all of our dreams, all that we have ever wanted to be. We surrender fully to you. And we receive all that you've offered us, all that you're giving us. And we celebrate obedience. (laughs) Obedience rocks. There's nothing, nothing, nothing like connecting with Christ in a church family. I thank you for those who have made that commitment. For those who have received that offer of forgiveness and grace and mercy and hope. I pray that you will bless them real big. So God, as we wrap up this service, I just pray your will will be done in each and every life. And everyone in the room and everyone online and everyone watching the big screen said... Amen. God bless you guys. God bless you.
1: What a beautiful name.